Today on Hyperon the Podcast, we have with us Rahel Demont. She's the co-founder of XR Bootcamp, a global academy for virtual reality and augmented reality development and training. She co-founded VR First, a global network organization of over 850 universities and 410 science parks. Since its foundation in 2016, she has led the program to a network of thousands of developers. XR Bootcamp further supports the extended reality creators community with free and open lectures and knowledge sharing groups. Rahel's mission is to democratize VR and AR development worldwide through various support teaching and funding programs. I wanted to chat to Rail more about augmented reality and how it will play a role in business and our lives. She is passionate about tech, so I was curious to pick her brain about tech trends for the not so distant future. Are we going to be hanging out in the metaverse? And what are the pros and cons of virtual reality? She also shed some light on the barriers of entry for women in the tech space. We have with us today on Hype Women, the podcast, Rahel Demont. Rahel is the founder of XR Bootcamp. I came across your profile while we were interviewing a previous interviewee, and I was just so curious about the things that you do. You're training people or companies on how to use virtual reality for their businesses. So tell me more about yeah, what it is that you do, because this is so foreign for so many people. Yeah, of course. So thank you, first of all, for the invitation to yeah, basically be here on the podcast. Very honored and also lucky to speak with you. So in regards to what we do, Exa Bootcamp, we are a global academy for virtual reality and augmented reality upskilling. So companies come to us, developers come to us, universities come to us if they want to learn, when when they want to learn how to teach virtual reality and augmented reality and how to learn to, to create metaverse applications. So if there is a developer who is basically maybe a front-end developer or back-end developer, he would come to us and then learn how to create XR applications. Wow. And um, how did you get into the tech scene? I mean, this is fairly new. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was really a coincidence for me as well. I studied business and finance and international relations. Oh, wow. I started in project management and started at Crytek, which is actually a video game development company. Uh-huh. It's, big, it's in Frankfurt, and they also do virtual reality games. And lucky me, I got to try these VR games. So it was, they have a very famous title, famous virtual reality title called The Climb, where you basically you're in this fantastic environment or you're even in the Alps or you're in some kind of islands with <laughs> you, you climb up the hills there and when, whenever you're looking down you're seeing these really really beautiful environments and it's just such an extraordinary super immersive experience and I I hadn't done something like that before I hadn't experienced something like that before and I just loved it and that's basically how how I got into the whole virtual reality space so you can, I, you get to escape your daily life basically and you get paid <laughs> for it yeah and and it's very enjoyable and you don't even escape it's just like an additional yeah, yeah. Have, right playing games and enjoying different environments that other people basically design for you but then how did you end up from that company into now you're the founder of this how did that work how did that happen 
Yeah, I, I was lucky. <laughs> I met my co-founder there and we, yeah. were, we ended up on the same project. And yeah. we were both seeing there's a huge demand for VR game developers. Yes. And the demand, because the space is so new, yes. it's just not met. Like there's just not enough applications. There's no one really who knows how to develop, how to develop apps for the space or has the right skill set to basically yeah. be hired. And, and we were trying in the beginning to consult universities on yeah. how to build their curricula, how to change their curricula. And we did that. We actually founded a university network wow. called VR First, Virtual Reality First. And it was a, it is still a non-for-profit venture. So we yeah. got a lot of hardware companies like Meta, like HTC, like HP, like other laptop companies to donate hundreds of equipments, hundreds of high-end laptops, hundreds of headsets to get them to donate that to universities wow. who would to teach students. And right now we have like around 52 labs, 52 university labs around the world, wow. um, which are now teaching VR. But what we what we, are, we were seeing in the end is that universities take a lot of time. <laughs> so whenever you, you learn something at universities, it takes maybe three years, right? Until you have a bachelor's or it yeah. takes longer to get your master's degree. And for the current market- You just go on YouTube and YouTube that and you get it in like <laughs> half an hour. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just very uh, very slow right until yeah. and, and there's so much demand for talent right now that yeah. we're thinking we were looking okay how can we actually solve that talent demand and that skills gap problem yes. and and what we were thinking, what we were looking at, all these coding boot camps. There's Le Wagon, for example, or Iron Hack. There's really big coding boot camps out there, which make it possible that people who come from completely unrelated environments, like for example, marketing or yes. um, or even like hairdressers, right? They can go to one of these boot camps. They can learn front end development or cybersecurity or data science, right? And like five months or something, or some are even shorter. And then yeah. they get already placed in job. And that works fantastically. I mean, like some of these boot camps, they have like really placement rates from 90%. So like, imagine you have like, like kind of like a minimum salary as a, as a hairdresser, right? Yeah. And then you're going to these kind of crazy developer salaries. It's like a wow. huge impact such a coding bootcamp can have on your Okay, life. I'm curious, how much is a, how much does a coding a developer earn on average i mean it depends right like after after boot camp you usually yeah. enter enter a junior level position right yeah. and for example in europe i would say you are like starting at a 50k salary yeah. but that increases very quickly to be yeah. honest yeah. <laughs> the more senior you get like it's i mean developers are the most researched talents on the market absolutely so, yeah it's, it's it's a great there's just great career perspectives there and yeah it's just worth it to 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 invest into a boot camp and in germany there's a lot of uh, free boot camps as well because the state basically pays for this kind of education as well what are the challenges that you've had as a founder like how do you say promoting your business to to clients and to get new clients yeah, for us, we were lucky. <laughs> I'm saying lucky all the time. <laughs> I think because we were basically very lucky that we were working in this space before mm-hmm. and we were able to build like a very large network of developers. We were able to build a network of trainers yes. and we were in contact with all these universities. So we were very knowledgeable about the space we were getting into. And especially for finding trainers, which was very challenging at the start, we really relied on the network we built beforehand. Yes. And you have to find people who are passionate about teaching talent, teaching young talent. And um, developers are, yeah, 
they're always like super, they have so many jobs or job offers on the table and uh-huh. they love developing, obviously. They don't, teaching is not their first job. So we kind of rely on our network to find these trainers. And I'm very, very happy to say that we, our course philosophy is learn from the best of the best. So for us, it is very, very important to always find trainers who are very successful at what they're doing. So they should always have their own successful virtual reality studio or work at a big company like Meta, Microsoft, yeah. Ubisoft, you know, one of these big XR studios. And then they can basically, they're qualified to teach at... So they have a credibility. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. And also because in XR, it's just so important that you learn the most current skill sets. So we really want to make sure that what our trainers are teaching is actually directly applicable to what you're doing on the job. So so our trainers, they are always doing the teaching job on the side. We don't have full-time trainers. Yeah. They are always like, we want them to keep up to date with the tech stacks that are currently out there and with all the changes because they mm-hmm. need to perform on their normal jobs, right? On their normal developer jobs. Yeah. And we can teach what they what they learn on their job basically to our our students and that's very important to us and it is always a challenge to find people who can make time for us to teach and you have to have a passion for teaching so there's obviously a lot of developers who just like to develop and they also like you have to have some kind of like initial talent for teaching not everyone has that yeah uh, yeah, so so for us that was the first challenge to find trainers and we're very happy now that we have an amazing team of trainers who are teaching and now it becomes easier and easier to recruit trainers because we are now recruiting from our graduates who are graduating from our classes so that's a challenge we we now solved successfully but there's so many other challenges all the time of your current challenges because it's good to know I think a lot of the times when I interview people they come across as like super successful because you know a lot of the women that I interview are women who have done things differently you know it seems like they have it all together but you know the way I see it is every time you reach a new level you've got a a new devil to face so to speak Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For us, I mean, we're bootstrapped, so we don't have external funding. So we really need to make sure that all the capital we are spending is really resulting in additional revenue because otherwise (laughs) we're not going to survive. Right. So that's difficult in a, in a sense, because sometimes you want to hire people, especially for operations. And me and my co-founder, we are working a lot and it would be great to just yeah work a little bit healthier, <laughs> healthier hours and to work a little bit less and to have people who can take over our tasks. Yeah. But it's difficult to find people who can actually do that and, and who are as passionate as we are about the topic and who are as passionate about teaching, about training people, about just delivering yeah. the best experience we can to our students. So it's a continuous hiring is always the, the biggest challenge and it's and staying a challenge so yeah. Um, yeah and I mean we're like doing a lot of interviews right now with people and I hope that soon we can announce many many more people working with us but like yeah it's always like a huge learning process as well because you have to learn how to interview how to motivate people to work for you how yeah. to show them that there is a great future in XR and yeah there's there's many things to learn and many challenges have you how would you describe the metaverse to someone who's never experienced it before yeah I mean first of all I think it's just the next generation of the internet so it was probably very difficult to describe the internet to someone who didn't experience it before as well and yeah to me it's just a new platform where we are basically going to socialize more where we're going to play where we're going to interact where we're going to meet and it is going in the end it is going to replace what we're currently doing with our smartphones right so the new smartphones are going to be headsets and whenever it's comfortable enough to wear them for longer periods of time we will basically have these digital layers which are um, 
on top of our reality right now. And I think that's how we can imagine it. Basically like a digital layer, which is enhancing our real life experience. That's how I would describe it. Are people, are, are companies doing these virtual meetings? I mean, apart from like the meetings we have now, but like bigger conferences, are they doing this? Because I know that there was this idea or this talk of this trend of like having this virtual meeting conference rather. There is actually a few companies which are doing that. And what I learned, which I was also very surprised to hear, is that there is a lot of brainstorming sessions being done in VR. The advantage is, and what people are seeing is that you're not so distracted. I mean, you have to imagine we are still in the beginnings of this technology yeah. and it's not that fancy when you're in a virtual reality room. But the advantage of that right now is actually that you're not getting distracted. <laughs> so yeah. you're really focused on what's happening in this virtual reality room and yes. on what we talked in this virtual reality room. Because right now when we're on Zoom, right, we have so many, yeah, we have our web browsers open. We have like all these different notifications on our smartphone. I think in Zoom, we're just not like fully concentrated. Yeah. So in the reality you're just you have no chance when you're wearing a headset because you're, you cannot see your phone you cannot see your laptop <laughs> right you're just seeing <laughs> the virtual reality space so you're really concentrated on what's happening and what uh, what i've also heard is that for shy people it's amazing because they're actually becoming more proactive in a in a room where they have basically a digital identity where they just have an avatar yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're becoming more self-confident on actually also expressing themselves and being more interacting with other people so that's also a great benefit which that's i which really i think interesting to be honest, yeah <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so pros and cons. What's the pros and cons of this virtual reality? I mean, on the one hand, it's enhancing our lives, right? Yes. We are able to enter beautiful worlds, worlds which are completely taking us out of our real world problems or our real world sceneries, right? There can be fantastical countryside, there can be a fantastical new environments which we couldn't Im imagine before, mm -hmm. and also have new experiences. There's already people getting married in virtual reality, oh, wow. there's already people dating in virtual reality reality you have your digital identity like an avatar which can be whatever you want whoever you want can be an animal can be a thing it can be yeah whatever you can imagine yourself being so it's like really opening up your perspective yeah, yeah. especially for for content creators as well it's just amazing to have these kind of opportunities at hand to entertain your audience yeah. uh, on the other hand whenever you are wearing a headset there's these big, big issues of privacy. So right now, when we're using a laptop or when we're using a smartphone, we are proactively revealing information about ourselves, right? We're yes, pushing the mic yes. button somewhere. We are basically writing... Feeding the algorithm. Yeah, we are doing that, right? But we kind of have control over it. We, yes. we know what we're revealing. <laughs> yeah. In virtual reality, when you're wearing the VR headset, there's four cameras, at least four cameras on the headset, which is constantly monitoring your environment to wow. protect you to not bump into things, right? To not bump into a table, to not bump into a chair or whatever. It's protecting you on the yeah. one hand. But on the other hand, it's it's really collecting information. Your, yeah, your living room, your bedroom, your kitchen. It can see what kind of medication you are taking on the kitchen counter. It can see what kind of furniture brands you are buying. It can see what kind of pets you have if they are running around. It can like basically all your information. It's being revealed about you, right? And some company is owning yeah. that information, and that is super super dangerous. And yeah. And there's also like eye tracking now coming in the next generation of the headsets, which are coming out this year already. And eyes are also revealing all your genetic information, where you come oh. from, what kind of sicknesses you have, how intelligent you are. Our eyes are like 
crazy data pools about ourselves and and we are going to lose this information to companies so there needs to be very very strong laws protecting us from this and and especially from misusing this information yes. and yeah that's just one one thing to be very very careful about and i hope that in our capitalistic society we can we can we can make it happen that it's going yeah. to benefit everyone and that these uh, that there is going to be protection measures in in place for all of us Wow, you really know your stuff. Have you seen, I mean, you know, the thing is, I watched The Sandman recently, and I watched this show on Netflix called The Upload, and there's so many series coming out about like this virtual world or this virtual reality, and and this whole idea that you could upload into an, into another, you know, reality or and and it is very interesting, it is very fascinating, but but how what does that mean for our human connection? Yeah, I mean, it's an extra, it's an addition, right? Yeah. So today we are connecting over Instagram, we're connecting yeah. over Facebook, and it's amazing that we can do that, right? Yes. I really appreciate that I can keep my friendships, which are in, in I lived in Argentina for a while, which are in Argentina or in yeah. the US, right? And I can do that based on all these social media platforms and all these messaging platforms. And WhatsApp, it's probably one of the most downloaded apps worldwide, I can imagine. It's just allowing us to communicate quickly with our friends, with our business partners, with whoever we want and that's amazing, right? And why not imagine that we with a digital avatar, which is representing ourselves or another identity we would love to have. These kind of connections across continents, across countries are just going to be so much better and so much closer. And I think there's many companies already working on it that mm -hmm. uh, is like looking into the eyes of another person, which with an avatar is right now very, very difficult. And it's very difficult to really have that feeling, that same feeling that I'm going to look into your eyes. Like I can definitely over zoom right now but that's uh, we, replicating that in the metaverse would be a really really amazing next step i think and yeah to build friendships and to be able to interact with other people which are not near you that's just like one of the fantastic opportunities i think we are going to have it will take long distance romance to a whole other level <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> i wouldn't have had to pay all that money to fly over to europe <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's see how expensive these apps are going to become. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. What what are the barriers to entry though for women in this space? I mean, there is like uh, obviously in all sectors right now there's mm -hmm. still a lot of systemic imbalance, yes. and we are seeing that especially in with entrepreneurs. Why right? there is not so many? I think right now it's just fifteen percent of entrepreneurs which are oh, female. Yes. So that's super low stats, and obviously it's not because women not wanting it, but there's a lot of just yeah systemic injustices or systemic um, structures which basically prevent women from entering the startup or even the tech scene yes. and it's also like i think there's a lot of role models which are missing yes. so when you're growing up yeah. yeah yeah when you're growing up i mean you're you're orienting yourself with like other people you're seeing in your environment yes. right? and you're trying to be like them or you're trying to aspire to be like them and yes. if there's no yeah entrepreneurs successful female figures which are role models which you're watching then obviously it's also not why would you go into that direction it's just not you don't have anyone to inspire or to aspire to to become like that so i think yeah role models are definitely missing especially when looking at 15 percent are only women and then yeah. when, you're, when you're still trying and, and still doing it right you're seeing that uh, there's so many networking events there's so many tech events yeah. there's so many events where everyone is i mean you're basically the only woman and that yeah. also happens so much to me as well and you're just feeling like an alien right you're just feeling like oh <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of wrong here like what did yeah. i do 
wrong, right? So so it's really like, yeah, we have to like just like support women and we have to show our support for women and we have Absolutely. to basically get, get give additional funding to women yes. um, to, to uh, tell them to showcase, hey, even though it doesn't look like it, maybe you are going to get additional support just because you're women, because we value your skill set, because we value you as a person and we think that you can succeed. And that's why we are going to invest in you. And I think that's like giving the signaling we need to get more yeah. um, more women entrepreneurs and more and more people in the in the tech space. A question I keep getting asked is like, should women be forced into these spaces where they are underrepresented? And I always say, yeah, do you mean like get quotas? You mean regulations? Which for me is a, is a sure yes. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't work otherwise. I mean, we tried yes. with voluntary models right. <laughs> in the past and it just, yeah, we're seeing that companies are not forcing themselves to, to right. accomplish that. So if there is like, I mean, it doesn't have to be in forever regulation. It just has to be a regulation that is existing for some time and yes. for for maybe like 10 years, 20 years until the problem is fixed. And then you can yeah. also, then, then, the, then the rule will not be, then the regulation will not be necessary anymore. And I think for now it would be, yeah, it, it, it would be amazing. It should be done. Otherwise we're not going to move forward. I think there's always these statistics that if you're moving forward at the current rate, yeah. it will still take 300 years to reach equality. Yeah. And I would I would love to still see it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, um, this is why I, I mean, from as a someone with a law background, why I always say you should have a quota system is because if you want to see transformation happen and the way laws change and shift society or culture is until a law is enacted like men and women both will never accept it as normal that a woman's place is as a founder or as an entrepreneur, because we as a society already see it as culture that women belong in spaces as support system or support structures or as stay-at-home moms. And so when we when we bring in a quota, a quota changes the way people perceive culture. So it, it then normalizes the fact that women belong in both places. Yeah, it's definitely super important. And we shouldn't be afraid of enacting these kind of quota regulations. I completely agree with you. How do you, yeah, how, how do men perceive you in, in the tech space? Like, do, do you find that they're attracted to it or do they, or are they intimidated by it? I hope neither. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward question, but yes, I'm curious. I, I hope neither one. I, I really don't know. I, I have not. <laughs> so, so I hope I'm just evaluated as like a human being and not yeah. on an attractive versus intimidating scale. So yeah, I hope I'm just being judged based on my, my qualifications, right? And I didn't have so many negative experiences so yeah. far. And yeah, and hopefully it, it stays that way. And I'm I also mean, like, yeah. Like when you go to parties and you tell people what you do, what are they? What, what is their reaction? I think it's, it's always positive. I, I didn't have yeah. a, um, a negative reaction to it, yeah. no. It's also like, I'm obviously like here in Berlin, I'm yes. going to startup events and yes. I'm socializing with other entrepreneurs and okay. everyone very, and neither, neither very impressed nor very intimidated, I would say. <laughs> I need to move to Berlin, but yeah, that's a great city. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about this meta PR conspiracy that you posted on your LinkedIn, because that was very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting to see PR strategy, strategies of companies or marketing strategies of hardware, which is being launched. Yes. And I mean, the, there's this new Meta headset coming yeah. out, Meta Quest Pro. Everyone is very excited about it. It's coming in four days, if yes. you're looking oh, wow. at today, on 10th of October. And 
Yeah, and it's just that everyone is in the XR industry is very excited about what exactly it is and how much it's going to cost and what kind of capabilities there are going to be. And to further hype this headset launch, in my in my opinion, it's a fake. Yeah, basically a fake. Someone someone like on in the news it was like that there is this hotel employee and he randomly in a hotel room when cleaning or something he found this headset. You know this Meta Quest Pro headset. <laughs> With the original packaging, with the original name, and he just tried it, you know, like a hotel employee. He just tried yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. made a video. He was already also like a video creator by coincidence, right? So he he created the <laughs> video about the new headset and basically talked about all the features it has and everything what's inside. So so we we have a pretty clear picture right now about what what this headset is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm just and they thought, oh no, it was a leak and uh, he should have never have found such a headset. And yeah, and Meta is saying it was just like a coincidence or, or really an accident and. To yeah. but uh, I, I'm not sure how believable that is <laughs> oh wow interesting it sounds, very, it sounds very staged to me but yeah it's no one will ever know I guess <laughs> wow okay that's very interesting and okay tell me about your clients like I mean uh, I know you said that's mostly the trainings but do companies ever come to you and say like hey we need a strategy we would like to enter the space of VR yeah, what yeah what is what is XR because we know what VR is yeah, so XR is basically standing for extended reality. Okay. And it's the overarching word, which means virtual reality, augmented reality, yeah. reality. So it's encompassing all these different okay. words for for virtual for for digital realities. Let's say that. So it's similar to the word metaverse. It's just like okay. an encompassing term for for everything. <laughs> okay, and yeah, so so okay, so the metaverse though that is that is like this extension of Facebook's brand, right? Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, metaverse as a, t- a term, it was coined, I think, by some author, some fiction author, science okay. fiction author in the 70s already. Oh, and wow. so metaverse is a term which is really coming from science fiction books. Yes. And meta by calling themselves meta just yeah kind of like followed that term to to also show that they're really committed to building the metaverse and become uh-huh. a metaverse company instead of like just a social media company yeah. so yeah we don't know if this term metaverse is going to survive and i'm always saying that yeah for for the internet it was the same yes. and uh, my parents for example they always said a super data highway when yeah. talking yeah. about the internet <laughs> and so there was also like a like some kind of word finding yeah. For, yeah yeah for for seeing where we're going and yeah is it going to be metaverse or are we all just going to stay with the word internet who knows yeah. you know a worldwide so, web yeah why not but yeah like how do how do you, your clients like if they're big companies like how do they approach you like if they want like a new strategy and they have never used virtual reality before and yeah I mean, there's lots of different developers coming to us, first of all. And then there is, we are really having our courses are mostly developer-focused courses. Okay. So there is, for example, developers coming from Salesforce, there's developers coming from Meta, there's developers coming from Google to us, and they really want to explore wow. the space and learn how to build, bring virtual reality experiences to their own companies. Yeah. And then they're, they're very happy, fortunately, with our courses. And then there's more, more developers coming from these companies and there's like bigger course sets. So so we train, we are approached by developers who want to learn. It's, it's very organic right now. What we do in terms of marketing funnels, it's we are hosting webinars. So webinars from developer celebrities, so developers who are very famous yeah. for achievements for what they've done. And they are giving talks about how to develop things and giving tips and tricks. And that's very, very popular among developers. And that's also a chance for developers to get to know us and to then sign up for, for our courses. 
Oh, what are some of the buzzwords, buzzwords in your industry right now? I mean, it's definitely metaverse. <laughs> it's just, it's, it just means everything and nothing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see where we're going with this metaverse term. And also all this like extended reality, mixed reality, augmented reality, virtual reality. I think the only terms which are very clear is actually virtual reality because it's a closed off environment. It's just an environment where you don't see the real world. And then augmented reality, where you know that you're putting this digital layer on top of, of the real world. So for me, we are and AR are the clearest defined terms. But then when you go to mixed reality, you can always ask yourself, okay, what is actually the difference from mixed reality to augmented reality? And right now, what I'm seeing is that mixed reality, it's it's an augmented reality where you can also interact with your environment. So when you have, a, for example, a smartphone layer, like a filter you're using, that filter doesn't interact with anything in your environment. It's just like having one simple function of like an overlay. But then when you would have mixed reality that you could basically have something which is really interacting, which is recognizing your environment and then inter you can interact with it and, and the reality is interacting with it basically. But yeah, and then extended reality is like same like metaverse. It's also very, yeah, very broad term and 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 we will see which of these words are, are going to survive and future-proof. What have you learned from your position as co-founder of XR Bootcamp? I mean, so many things. I think especially when you're going from an employee, from being an employee at a company to <laughs> becoming an employee, to, to your own employee. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Becoming an entrepreneur, I think the biggest thing you learn is that the more you work, the more results you are having. Yeah. Then it's very difficult to see. Okay, when are you stopping? Actually, so when are you stopping to to? There's work? no work-life balance for entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's it's very. I mean, you have to define it for yourself. What does yeah. it mean? And also, like when you're enjoying to work a lot. Yeah your life is, uh, is evolving all around work so you have to set your own borders but you also have to motivate yourself and to learn to motivate yourself you have to set your own deadlines and no one is telling you when to achieve what so you always have the choice to be slower you always have the choice to be faster and especially when you're not when you're bootstrapped like we are there's no investor behind you who is pushing you or who's giving you kpis yes. so i think when you're funded you have a little bit more pressure and you have yes. a little bit more external motivation yes. but when you're bootstrapped and doing everything on your own then it's really just yourself and you really yeah. and it's really a big learning because yeah when you're when you're an employee you're just basically being told what to do and which kpis to fulfill but when you don't have that anymore it's a big change and and so yeah so so that's like a big learning for me what motivates you and have you found any role models in the industry yeah. I mean, for me, it's really what makes me grateful every time is when students write us thank you emails and like how much we've changed their life. And it sounds yeah. so crazy, but it happens. And there's, for example, like a woman, she took our boot camp and she was an artist before, a digital wow. artist. And, and then she and then she took our boot camps. It, it took her five months to learn everything. And now she's earning 80K, like a junior wow. junior entry level job. She's earning yeah. 80K as an amazing virtual reality game studio, which is one of the most famous game studios. Studios. We are game studios that there is, and we're just super proud, and and she's super happy, and we're uh, and we're just like reading these emails from our students, and we're always like, yeah, we're really changing something in in people's lives, yeah. and that's that's really valuable to me, and that's what's what motivates me. So for us, it's really to deliver the best quality of 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 education of content we can, which is not not easy, right? Because there's always an easy route you can go to to be more scalable, to just deliver video based content, mm -hmm. right? 
um, and not really care about the student in the end. But what we really do is we force, force our students to do assignments, to work on themselves, to work on their skills, and to really push themselves to learn all the content that there is that they need to succeed in the industry. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard route. Like it's it's not easy to to make students suffer a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> But it's really the only only way you learn. Yes. And, and you have to force yourself, you have to push yourself and you have to go through all the assignments. And if you're not proactively and actively doing it yourself and just watching something, you will never learn. So yeah. for us, it's very, very important to actually deliver a product that our students are enjoying and that our students are actually also getting a lot of results on. So that's very motivating to me. And yeah, I hope we can continue on that path. <laughs> Great. And thank you so much. How can people reach out to you? I mean, my LinkedIn is my preferred method of communication. So feel free to just join the LinkedIn page for a healthy month. <laughs> Great. And what are, okay, quickly, just to wrap it up, what is the what are the trends right now and where do you see it going in the future? Yeah, I mean, there's one theory which is saying that tech adoption is a lot driven by hardware. So people were basically buying smartphones without even knowing so much what they would uh, use them for. (laughs) So let's see if it's going to be the same with XR headsets. So right now, obviously, like, for example, I mentioned it, right? WhatsApp is one of the most famous, most downloaded apps worldwide. And when we were buying our first smartphones, we didn't know that. We didn't know that WhatsApp is going to be the app we are maybe going to use most during our daily, daily lives. And for VR, XR headsets, it's maybe going to be the same, that people are going to buy the headsets without even knowing, oh, what is what is this content? What I'm going to use, actually? What is it for? So maybe there's... An, and we're all very curious on Apple because Apple is a hardware company since the beginning. Uh-huh. And it's very... And they're, they're supposed to release their first XR headsets very, very soon. So beginning yeah. of the year. And everyone is just super curious because Apple's devices are supposed to be game changers. Yeah. So no one knows what's coming and we are all very curious to see how Apple's Apple's hardware launches are going to change the market overall because compared to Meta which is right now releasing the most most sold headsets like the, yeah. the Quest headsets Meta is just entering this hardware space they were not a hardware company before yes. they didn't have so much experience and Apple has a lot more experience with hardware so they may may come up with something super amazing and innovative so I'm I'm very curious where that's going. <laughs> Oh, it's very exciting talking to you. It's it's super refreshing. So thank you so much for showing us a whole new reality. Thank you very much for the inter- interview. <laughs> thank you.